0: Welcome to Season 1 of the Beacon of Hope Podcast with Jessie Kretzer, your host, bringing hope and encouragement to 9 to 5 Rebels. Having raised two career musicians, building her own business, and teaching others to do the same, Jessie is intimately familiar with the the behind-the-scenes grit needed to go after your passion. And life experience has taught her this... There are a lot of things you can live without, and hope is not one of them. And now, here's your host, 9to5 Rebel herself, Jessie Kretzer. Welcome to the first season of the
1: Beacon of Hope podcast. As you know, each week I interview a 9to5 Rebel that I've been turned on to or I have stumbled upon. Um, And my goal is to share the experiences that they're having with you, my nine to five community, so that you can get tips and inspiration and encouragement on your nine to five journey as well, I should say on your journey as a nine to five rebel. So today I am super excited as I always am. I'm always excited when I run across a nine to five rebel that is doing what they love for a living and doing it well, and it's just working. And today I have Sandra. and Ben's not gonna be with us, but Sandra and Ben Kelly opened the Kelly's Farm Kitchen in Harpers Ferry, Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. And I had the opportunity after hearing a lot about people going there and talking about it to visit there myself this past week with my son. And we had a wonderful experience. We had delicious, healthy food, which I am part of a movement in the business that I work as a 9 to 5 Rebel. So we are definitely kindred spirits, Sandra. So welcome to the 9 to 5 Rebel season.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I want to share your story with everyone, but I want, I want to hear it from you. And so do they. Right. So, you know, you and Ben were doing something else career-wise before this came about. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So we were both in the car business. We were car business veterans. I had put uh, 17 years in. He put 16 years in. We were working nine to nine every single day for uh, different companies that just really didn't value us as much as we thought we should be valued I think everybody that works a nine to five or a nine to nine or a nine to whatever job feels that they're not being valued as much as they should um, and it's probably the truth you know so you you spend so much of your life working for companies that just don't care about you you get to a point where you realize that you've only got so much time left and so much more to give that you just get that wild hair up your rear end and decide, "Hey, I got to do it." Um, yep. you know, so we we just had gotten to that point in the car business. It just got we just got there.
1: So you were actually a 9 to 9 rebel. We were a 9 to 9 six days a week. Yeah. And, and what's really exciting is that you were pursuing your passion on the weekends even after working 9 to 9. Yeah, absolutely. Do I understand that correctly? You want to elaborate on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, uh, we were, the dealership was open six days a week, but we had uh, one day off, and on that one day off, we would start doing farmer's markets. So we purchased a house up on the mountain about 10 years ago, and we turned it into a little farmette, and we have this huge passion for healthy eating and vegan food and vegetables and growing your own food and eating organic. So One thing sort of turned into another, and we ended up just building a small farm on the land that we had surrounding our house. And we had so much produce, I started panning spaghetti sauce and making pickles and salsa and jellies and jams and dehydrating food. And we were getting to the point where our friends were coming over all the time trying to buy it from us. Like, hey, can I get some of that strawberry jelly? Or do you have any more spaghetti sauce? So one of our friends suggested to us that we should start selling it at farmer's markets. So I started canning, learning how to can. I went to the Better Process Control School, University of California, Davis, and um, got all the permits that we needed and started doing farmer's markets on that one day that we weren't at the dealership. And that one day, even though it was my seventh workday week, was the best day of the week because it was that one day that I was actually working For myself. I mean, it didn't pay anywhere near what the car business did, but it was the most gratifying work that you could possibly do. And um, we got to the point where I was almost able to sustain all of the bills that I had just from that one day at the farmer's market and from the sales that I was making on the side. And Ben and I had the conversation like, hey, do you think I could drop out of the car business? Can you sustain like the major, you know, the mortgage? We still had a mortgage at that point. Can you sustain the mortgage while I sustain all the other bills with this farmer's market thing? Because I think if I quit my job, I can take up extra markets and and make more money and, and do the thing. Let's do it. Let's let's get off the bandwagon. So he he said he supported me. And the next day I went to work. Now, when I say he supported me, I mean, during that conversation, he was like, yes, we should consider this. Well, the very next day at work, I was having a moment with the owner of the dealership. And that moment really got under my skin. And I just looked at him and I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go sell jelly on the side of the road. And (laughs) I got all my stuff from my desk and I left. I walked out. That was it. I never looked back. I went home. I started cooking dinner. I didn't tell Ben. And he got home one day and he said, uh, you're home early. I said, yeah. remember that talk we had yesterday about me leaving the dealership and working for myself. He said, yeah. I said, I did it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, they say timing is everything. Yeah. And you had that little seed planted as your backup plan. Yes. Yeah. And the timing lined up, and you're like, I'm out of here. Yes. Yeah. Just like that. Just like that. And then you have to make it work. And sometimes nine to five rebels want to do it and they just can't bring themselves to walk away from what I call the golden handcuffs. Yes. Yeah. And you had enough support from Ben in that little first conversation and you had gotten excited about your seventh work day of the week, what you were doing, right? And so just those things coming together made you be able to make that decision, right? Very spontaneously. Um, Sometimes sometimes we can be paralyzed by planning and sometimes we fail because we didn't plan. And somewhere in between, there's moments like you just described. Right. And so I, I appreciate that. I'm sure that you wondered if you were crazy. Maybe loved ones wondered if you were going to be okay and if you were crazy. But you knew in your gut that that's what
2: you had to do in that
1: moment. And you did it.
2: Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing that that I want everybody who's listening to take in and know and understand. It doesn't matter if your 9 to 5 is in an accounting office or if you're working for TJ Maxx or if you're at, working for McDonald's or whatever you're doing. It's not the only job that you'll ever get in your life. You, Clearly you're employable. I mean, somebody employed you. You're good at your job. You're listening to this podcast right now. So you have that motivation. You know, my best advice for you would be if you have a passion, if you want to start your own business, start it small, start it on the side while you're still working at your company, figure out if you think that might be something that you can sustain your life with. And as soon as you get that right opportunity, just take it. Because you know what? If you do it for 30 days and it doesn't work out, You can probably go back to your job if you work an employee. And if you can't go back to that job, guess what? There's a million other businesses locally that would hire you. Everybody is replaceable. And I see this quote all the time on Facebook or wherever it pops up. And it says, if you work for a company that will print a job ad for your replacement before they would print your obituary, then stop working for that company.
1: Oh, wow. I haven't seen that one.
2: Yeah. And it struck me as so that was one of the seeds that was planted in my head. And, you know, luckily I had the support of Ben, but, you know, I just kept thinking that. I was like, you know what? If I left tomorrow, there would be an ad out for help before there was, you know, an obituary post or whatever. Right. If there even was one, you know? Right. So I I I
1: understand what you're, I understand where you're coming from. Absolutely.
2: You got to put your value in yourself. You know, you got to fill your own cup up because it's just, you know, you can find that motivation from within you and and you, you might want your paycheck from your nine to five, but if you are listening to this podcast, you don't want to work a nine to five. So find a way to get out of it. Right. Right. And, and, you know, we all
1: are going to spend what we have and we're all going to manage to what we don't have. Exactly. It, it, I mean, obviously you got to be able to put food on the table. We don't want to be that crazy,
0: no, but no. we
1: all know, we all know exactly what I'm talking about there. And yeah. I can't tell you how many nine to five rebels, business owners that I've come across that did not have formal experience in the industry that they've stepped into. Yeah. And you and Ben, like, it's like, not even like you were managing restaurants or no. serving at restaurants. I never so tell us. Oh my goodness. Tell never. us about that.
2: So (laughs) we started doing the farmer's markets, and it took off to a point where I was doing six days a week farmer's markets, and then people were asking me to cater birthday parties on the side or bake cakes for, I was baking cakes for a local restaurant in town as well, and then I was making granola and shortbreads for a coffee shop, and then I ended up getting into like six or seven different local retail stores, plus doing catering plus doing the farmer's markets and it just got to the point where it was like oh my god I'm working like from the time I wake up in five o'clock in the morning until two o'clock in the morning the next day I'm I'm up either like canning or cooking or working in some capacity and it was like so it was so successful it was bursting at the seams and there's a a Couple in Bolivar, which is a town right next to Harper's Ferry, that owns a lot of properties. One of the properties that they own became available, and she called me and said, Hey, this small house is available, but I think you could turn it into a little cafe or restaurant. And I really want a restaurant in that building. Do you think you can do it? And I said, Um, you know, probably. Let me think about it for a little while. And she said, Well, I would love to give you time to think about it, but there's someone coming to look at the property in about two hours. So I need you to make a decision right now. So again, my wonderful husband, Ben, who had just himself been able to leave the car business because our farm business was doing so well. um, I called him and I said, Hey honey, uh, you know the the little bakery that used to be next to the coffee shop. It's available, and uh, they called and asked if we'd open a little restaurant here. He said, "Oh, well, that sounds fun." I said, "Yeah, okay, cool. I'll talk to you later." And so we hung up our converse, hung up our phone call, and um, I went and I I looked at the building, and I said, "Okay, we'll do it." <laughs> and then I called Ben and said, "Hey, we're opening a restaurant." <laughs> said, what? Are you crazy? I was like, we can do it, babe. I know we can do it. We, I don't know how we'll figure it out. We'll buy used equipment. There's online auctions. We know enough people in the restaurant business. It's a tiny, I mean, you can only seat 20 people. How bad can it fail? And the rent was like $600 a month. So like we can't go wrong, you know, and we had just, just about 10 or $12,000 saved up at this point. So I was like, we got plenty of money. I mean, what do we need? Right. At this point we had finally paid off our mortgage because we bought a small house. It was like 130,000 and we were there for 10 years. So that was taken care of. So I'm like, we have, there's nothing to lose. If it doesn't work out, then I'll just go back to the farmer's markets. Again, you have to weigh your risks. Like we don't have kids. We didn't have a huge mortgage. It was like, okay, let's do it. So from the time we said yes, until the time we opened the doors, it was 42 days.
1: (laughs) Oh my heavens. That is amazing. You are. Well, you know, you two are hard workers. That is evident. You're not afraid of hard work. You'll roll your sleeves up. And now I barely know you, but I can already tell that the two of you will roll your sleeves up and you'll do what it takes.
2: Yeah. Plus we have a community, you know, you have to have friends. You have to socialize with the people around you, make friends with the other businesses locally, because those people will help you achieve your goal. And you have no idea the resources that you can have when a village comes together. I mean, we had people give us kitchen equipment. We had people, uh, friends that owned a restaurant locally that had closed. Um, Vivo, they were so kind to us. She gave us dishes, all of the dishes that we needed to start beautiful white plates to, to plate our food on. Um, my my parents stepped in and Ben, poor Ben, oh my God, he did so much work. The the building was not in great condition when we got it. Um, all of our friends came over, we had a painting party. They all brought like, you know, everybody's got that weird half gallon of paint and underneath their basement stairs. Well, we asked all of our friends, bring that gallon of weird paint that you have. And we just put them all on the floor and everybody got a color and a wall. That's why no no two walls are the same color there. And uh, so everybody just grabbed their gallon and painted a wall. And we had gotten some cedar from a trade show that I went to. And Ben stood outside tirelessly, probably 80 hours with a sander, cutting and sanding this wood to make the shelves in the restaurant. And, um, you know, it's just like everything kind of just pieced together and it was it was—I don't want to say it wasn't hard work. It was hard work, but it was just so easy because it was like I'm not going to—I'm not working for somebody else. I'm putting value and I'm investing in something that I want to do, you know. So it was like it was hard work, but it was easy. So we—we um, we got to our first day of opening, and neither one of us has worked a single day in the restaurant industry. I have never waited a table served and never worked in a kitchen. I didn't know what I was doing, but it's a vegan restaurant in West Virginia. We were like, if we get five customers a day, we'll be lucky. Right. So, you know, the coffee shop next door gets maybe 20 customers a day or something like that. It's just, it's not a high volume town. So the morning we opened We did no advertising. We just put a a couple things on Facebook that we were opening and word of mouth and all of my farmer's friends and stuff like that. The day we opened, we opened the front door and there were 53 people in line. And I was like, oh, (laughs) now what? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What have I done? But we had $7 left on our opening day. We literally had $7 left. And- I used that $7 to buy flowers for the tables. Um, we got to the restaurant and both of our trucks had the gas light on. So we were like, oh my God, we have to make money today because we can't get home if we don't make money today. <laughs> like it was that tight. Wow. Um, we, we worked through it and I was slow. When we first started, I was like not a fast chef, you know, I'm pretty fast. Now I can crank stuff out, you know, after being open for a year and a half, but that first, month or two was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have my flow down. The first order I got was for a just omelet. And that is the first omelet I had made with just egg. So (laughs) like, thank God it came out perfectly. But it was just like, Oh my God, I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here. But we wanted it so bad. And we had such a passion. And we're also so lucky that it's such a weird niche food. People were just happy that we opened a vegan restaurant. So everybody is was so kind to us and was like they we were like you're going to get it it'll be okay it'll be fine and we had a very low prices when we first opened because we understood that we were you know going to make mistakes and not do things perfect but the community just came together and everybody that comes in just kind of like gets the vibe of the place. This is Ben and I doing our thing having happy days. We got reggae music playing, good clean food and it's just a great atmosphere. So I mean, yeah, it was a risk and we had absolutely no experience, but you don't need experience if you know what you want to do, you know?
1: Well, and Sandra, you are on trend and you created something that clearly there was a demand for when you were at the farmer's markets oh, right. and yeah. right. So you were beginning to see success and you were, whether you could kind of put your finger on it or not, the way I'm describing it, you were on trend with a movement because right. what we know is that clean eating is now becoming popular and it's becoming a movement because people are truly seeing how it's connected to how they feel. One of the things I'm a healthy living coach awesome. and I help people Connect the dots and find a way to eat clean with convenience. And so they're always asking me, Well, where can I eat out? And so even though I'm not a vegan, I see the value of the plant based direction. And I coach people that are living on fatty, wrong, all the wrong meats that I say they're not clean meat. And so what a what a beautiful opportunity for people to come to your restaurant, whether they're vegan or not. They are, they're looking for convenience. They're looking for clean eating. They're looking for food that looks beautiful, which your food presentation is beautiful. When I got the ramen noodle bowl, feel free to correct me with the details here. You had the watermelon radishes around the edges and all of these greens in there. And I got the gluten-free version with the rice noodles. And the flavor it was coconut. Was it coconut curry? Oh, the creamy coconut ramen. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I ate it for three days. It was so big that I took most of it home and ate it for three days. And the other thing I have to say, I just messaged you last night, three days later. So I, I bring this burger home, right? right. Oh, for, for the special person in my life that loves burgers. And three days later, he's yet to get around to try it. So I had it last night and I warmed it up just like Ben told me. And I had given up on hamburgers because, number one, they're not that clean or healthy, and number yeah. two, I had lost, well, I never could find one that really had great taste to it. Right. So that hamburger that's not a hamburger tasted like the best real hamburger, that, better than the best hamburger that I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, thank so, you it was amazing. So I want the listeners to understand that there's a reason why you have to make a reservation and you have to, and you can get on Facebook the other week or so ago, I got on Facebook and it's like, well, we can't go there tonight. They're out of, they're full of capacity. You know, there's something wonderful about the fact that you cannot, um, you can't meet all the needs of everybody that wants to come and enjoy your food. So, kudos to you.
2: Yeah, that's bittersweet. Like, everybody keeps telling us you guys need to expand, you need to expand, you need a bigger place. And, but you know, you lose something when you do that. And we opened this place because we are animal activists, we feel very strongly about uh, healthy eating. And we feel very strongly about community. So those are three pillars of our business that really, really, really shine through everything that we do. And if we expanded, and if we put 20 tables in, Ben would not be everybody's waiter, and I would not be everybody's chef. So you would lose the perfect touch that we have, I don't want to say that we're perfect touch, I don't know what the right word is here, it is perfect. It is perfect. I will say perfect. I'll go ahead and say it. That restaurant is the coolest restaurant I've ever been to. And I wish I could be a patron there because when you walk in the door, we treat people like their family. Everybody knows I'm the only one cooking their food. Everyone knows Ben is going to take care of them. If you expand, you lose some of that. You know, we get to talk to every single customer when they cash out at the end of their meal. You know, we get to say, hi, I run out of the kitchen and give people hugs all the time. And we have that nice open kitchen and, That's a great feel and it's manageable at 20 people. And if you ever want to come in, just give us a call a day ahead or, you know, try a Thursday morning afternoon appointment or, you know, something like that. Saturdays and Sundays are a little crazy without a reservation, but we rarely turn people away unless it's like five or party of five or six. Then you have to definitely plan ahead for that. But, um, you know, sometimes there's a two hour wait, but go for a hike in Harper's Ferry. You know, enjoy the scenery outside or hang out with us in the restaurant while you wait for a table. You know, it's a it's a very cool feeling to be that in demand. But we also realize it's not like we're that that huge. It's just that we're that small. You know, it's very exclusive. It's a very special opportunity, intimate dining experience to have. So,
1: Well, I'm going to I'm going to speak to and validate what you just said, that it is the perfect experience because I was just there last week. And you're you're absolutely right. I was greeted warmly. It was a cold rainy day in Harpers Ferry. And I was a little confused about what I should order. You know, I didn't wanna just order your typical salad. I wanted to have more of a unique experience for what you all had to offer. So Ben made us feel very welcome and he chit-chatted with my son a little bit, who is a local musician, part of the community there, and he helped me, you know, Brett had been there, and had lunch before, so he, you know, he was guiding me as well, but Ben really, he came out, and I was like, this is what I want, this is what I don't want, what would you recommend, and It was like he had all the time in the world to answer my questions and guide me. And he really helped me make a selection that was perfect for me. And then when I wanted to get something to go, he interviewed me about the person I was going to be taking it to and another great selection. So we will be coming together for a burger real soon, I promise. (laughs) I promise. But it really was a perfect experience. And we're going to go to a break right now. But when we come back, Let's talk a little bit about the future. Let's talk about that um, quality of life that you want to maintain. And you're in the sweet spot. And I think you're wise beyond your years because you're beginning to see that this is a sweet spot. We know what we do well, and we want to have a life, not just a living And so let's talk about that a little more after the break. Does that sound good? Yeah, wonderful. Okay. This is your host, Jesse Kretzer. If you're like me and you have an entrepreneurial spirit that just won't quit, you're in the right place. Whether you've made the leap to call yourself the boss yet or not, your spirit will be fueled by the experiences and the advice of each one of my guests. Now back to today's episode. I am back with Kelly's Farm Kitchen co-owner, Sandra Kelly, and um, her husband is probably out mountain biking today as he should be, right. but he, he's, he's out doing something healthy, I'm sure. But anyways, um, we've heard how much support he, he is and how he's been a big vital piece of this. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about you know we talked about quality of life and we talk you know we see what we grow up with right and some things we what we experience growing up we want to repeat and some things we experience growing up we say we don't want to repeat and it drives what we the decisions we make. And I know that you've mentioned that your mom and dad were a great support for for this dream of yours that's become a reality. So Tell us a little bit about your kitchen growing up at home and just your your experience with, your, you know, your support of your family.
2: Um, from the time I was like four years old, I was in the kitchen. I remember my first memory of being in the kitchen. I was standing on this little stool my mom had for me and she was letting me use a little paring knife and I was helping her cut, like maybe it was tomatoes or peppers or onions or something like that she was making. I, I, probably spaghetti we ate spaghetti a lot and i remember the knife was upside down and i was putting my thumb on top of the blade and trying to cut with the back of the knife and she was like you know she scolded me and she was like if you do that again i got to take the knife away from you and i was like i'll tear the vegetables if i have to do that to cook you know i was like i will learn how to use this knife get out of my way so um i finally figured out which edge of the knife had the blade on it you know and uh started kind of working with her a little bit in the kitchen and I feel like by the time I was six or seven I was kind of nudging my mom out of the way in front of the stove Um, and then you know by the time I was 10 not because I had bad parents who didn't want to cook my parents were absolutely wonderful and my mom was always in the kitchen with me but I was just so take charge over the stove area and just didn't want her around. I was like, I can do this myself. Like, don't touch it. You know? (laughs) So I just ended up being the cook for the family. And um, it got to the point where my dad was like, you know, Hey, can you make spaghetti for dinner? You know? Um, And so my parents really enjoyed my cooking and they, they allowed me to to use the kitchen freely, you know, however I wanted with, with full support. And um, so I think that has absolutely a lot to do with, my confidence in the kitchen is just that I've been preparing meals since literally I could stand on a stool at the counter. So definitely has a huge impact, but they've always supported me in every dream I've ever had. And when I said I wanted to open this restaurant, they supported us, you know, wholeheartedly. And I'm I'm sure they probably went home at some point and thought this kid's crazy. Like, what is she doing? What is she thinking? But they probably also said like, there's nothing that she said that she's gonna do that she can't figure out how to do. Because you know, once you set your mind to something you want to do, you just do it. So
1: yeah, well, they saw your natural gift of cooking very early. They saw your determination, um, and I'm sure they saw your entrepreneurial spirit away back. So they're probably looking at you now, going, oh, they're we're not really that surprised that she's right. doing yeah. so great, and she's doing this." Probably now they wonder. Why she didn't do it sooner or whatever, but we talked about timing, you know. And timing is, it's just when things start to line up. And I tell this to wannabe entrepreneurs all the time. If you begin to see things are lining up and falling into place, but you're still hesitating just because you're afraid, you've got to, you've got to face your fear and jump in anyways. Yep.
2: Get out of because, here.
1: Because yeah. If you're trying to force fit something and you're trying to make it happen and you're, let's say you were making all these things and you were going to the farmer's markets and you were lugging all the stuff home every week. Oh my God. Yes. That would be telling you a different message. Right. You know, there's something about that dream that needed to be tweaked before making a jump. Right. So your story is just got so many beautiful elements to it. And now that I'm interviewing one nine to five rebel after another in all walks of life, whether they're musicians, artists, restaurant owners, um, and many other types of industries rep- will be represented. Some of the same themes are there. Yeah. And one, one thing that I'm hearing a lot right now is the community the support and just the fact that we have social media mm-hmm. which gives us an opportunity to get the word of mouth farther yeah and you know if you do it right or you do it wrong more people know sooner mm-hmm. so i think the the side that you're experiencing you're experiencing is the growth but if you're doing something wrong and you're not doing something well then you're going to be out of business sooner also. So talk to us about that because you have definitely, um, a great community on social media.
2: Yeah. Social media is a, it could be a double-edged sword. Um, it's a very, very specialized tool. Um, but you know, if you use it responsibly and you use it to share with love in your heart, um, then I think, it can never fail. Um, you know, if you always are posting things that promote love and promote kindness and promote goodness, people are drawn to that. Um, you know, if I post a beautiful salad, people are, oh, wow, that's so cool. That's beautiful. Um, but those are the kind of things that as a business owner, you want to share. You don't want to, you know, get on Facebook and say, um, you know, we're slow. Can you come in? You know, that's, that's not how you use social media. Um, Fortunately, we've never had that problem, but I have seen other businesses use it in that respect. You should never complain on social media. You never want to highlight anything negative on social media. It's about the highlights. People scroll through Facebook or Instagram because they want to see the very best part of your day. They want to see the the highlight, the the coolest part, you know, and we try to post like one picture every day, at least of, of a, Sometimes I'll make a sandwich and I'll go, Oh my God, I nailed it. I got to take a picture of this right now. And I'll take a picture of that. And that's what goes on Facebook or like one of our regular customers or a good friend that we haven't seen in a long time pops in and we snap a pic with them and throw it online. And like, that's the highlight of your day. People want to know what's going on in the restaurant, like the cool stuff. And that's what you promote and you promote it to grow your community. You don't promote it to get customers. I think it's a mindset that a lot of business owners are getting incorrectly. It's not about how many people like your page because 10,000 people can like your page. But if none of them come through the door, if they don't like you, then it doesn't matter. They have to like you. You have Mm -hmm. to be likable first for them to like you. So be likable, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, do it with love and have like all the kindness in your heart that you possibly can and go out of your way to help others and, you know, do the right thing. I think if you're doing those things and you're sharing that with the community, then people are going to naturally gravitate towards that, right?
1: I agree. I watched some of your live videos from the kitchen and you can yeah. see your heart. You can see that you're genuine. You can see that you're not trying to be perfect, but you're you're an encourager. And the Beacon of Hope podcast is to lift people up. This first season is about lifting up the entrepreneurial spirit. and encouraging people like yourself, because right now you're in the sweet spot and things are great. And it's, you're probably not even the best time of the year because hiking season and spring and summer are probably even better. Yeah, But, you know, we're all going to hit obstacles. We're all going to hit hard stuff. And I want this podcast to be there for for you on a hard day that maybe you need to listen to somebody else's story yeah so I'm going to ask you to speak to our nine to five rebel community and the first I'm going to ask you to speak to two different scenarios okay and the first scenario is this you're going to offer some encouragement or a word of wisdom whatever comes to your mind to that person that needs to take the leap the stars have lined up. Everyone around them is kind of seeing it, but they're still hesitant. They're they're fearful that they won't be able to make ends meet or, you know, all of the many fears it won't work. What would you say to them if the stars are lining up and they're the one their own fears are holding them back?
2: Okay, here's what I would say. First of all, if you have a business plan in mind, Or even if you don't have a business plan, if you have a business idea in mind, if there's something you want to do and your stars are even remotely lined up, if you've got enough money in the bank to get you through the next 30 days, if you have anyone in your life that is supportive of you at all, these these are what I call your stars lining up. If you've got money in the bank, not a lot, just a little, 30 days. If you got someone who has your back, if you have a friend who has your back, someone who can let your dog out if you're there later, whatever. All you need is a little bit of community, a little bit of love and a little bit of money. Not a lot of bit of money, just a little bit. If you have those things and you have an idea and you have a passion and you're still sitting at your desk at work, like if you're on your your lunch break right now and you're listening to this, I want you to go back to your desk, get your shit, put it in a (laughs) box and walk out of that dead end job And go chase your passion because you are the only person that's standing in your way. And you are also the only person that's going to do it for you. And if there is someone standing in your way, if all of your stars are lined up and there's just one person standing in your way, if it's your spouse or your significant other or a great friend or a problematic teenage child, whatever it is, here's what I want you to ask yourself. If everything else is lined up and I want to do this and this is the one thing stopping me, this is the one person that's stopping me, what are they going to do about it? If I quit my job and I chase my dream and I start doing it, what's the consequence? And if the consequence is that person walks out of your life, then that's a positive thing because that one person that's holding you back is keeping you in your nine to five prison. To think about that.
1: Well, and you know what, you, as you say that I have seen the very person that was the dream stealer. That's what I call those people. Yep. A lot of times they mean well, and they're just, they're not entrepreneurial, Yeah. right? They're scared for you. And then when you make the leap and start to have some success, they're the first ones there to help you carry the boxes in. Yep. So um, just Maybe, maybe somebody needed to hear that today, right? I we hope, don't I hope wait. somebody
2: didn 't need to hear that, but that 's something that we all keep so private, and that 's something that we never ever talk about it's the interpersonal relationships in our life that prevent us from doing the things that we want to do. so I think that 's an important thing to highlight as an entrepreneur, because and especially if you 're a woman wanting to go in your business and your husband mm-hmm. is the one who, who might, he might not be unsupportive. It might not be that at all. He might be so supportive. He's scared of you to fail, you know, just tell him to get out of your way. Just tell him to get out of your way and say, look, if you want to support me, then, then do it, you know? And the way. Yeah. And
1: when you have that fire in your belly, like I have two sons that are career musicians. Uh And when they were in middle school, I saw that fire in their belly and I could have poured all the water in the world on it, and they would have found a way to reignite it. Absolutely. So I think that we've we've heard your passion and the fire in your belly. And I think that our listeners, if they have that entrepreneurial spirit, then they can pinpoint that fire in their belly. And and guess what? You're not gonna be able to make it go away. So you may as well do something about it.
2: You know what? Look at every oil spill that's ever happened, okay? Oil will burn in water doesn't matter how much water there is so if you've got it you can do it
1: that's a good analogy so the second person i want you to speak to is that entrepreneur that you know they the nine to five rebel they've started their business it was going pretty well but it's gotten hard maybe for a season or whatever but it's gotten hard um how do you what, what do you say to them to keep them in the game one more day Okay.
2: I've had days like this. Uh, I think we all have, you know, we all reach a point where we've hit the top of our performance and, and then we strive to hit that same mark every single day. And if we fall short of it, if it's off season or if it's a bad week or, you know, if, if we're tired, sometimes we just get tired too, you know, or, or a slump in sales or whatever the nature of your business is, if you're starting to struggle, go find that notebook that you wrote in before you started your business. Because we all had a notebook or a spiral binder or you know a file on our computer, something that we put together and we wrote down all of the things that inspired us and all those crazy ideas that we didn't have time to do or you know that, that we were like, oh, this is stupid. I'm not gonna do this. Or whatever that book that you had, that, that notepad, that whatever, go find it. And I want you to find a quiet space and get a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or whatever you you want and some crackers and vegetables snack on or whatever and get under a blanket and have yourself a good cry about the situation you're in right now and read that notebook about that strong person who said, I'm not going to do this nine to five anymore. Here's my ideas. I'm busting out and read that book again and find that person back within yourself. Because if there's something wrong with your business, it's not because of the business. It's because of you. You've either lost your passion or your fire or your drive. And you need to find a way to get that back in yourself. Do not blame your business. It's not the business's fault. But that's the best news in the world. Because if it's your fault, that means you can change it. If it is the business, you're done. You know, so it's you. Yeah. And, and you can change it. You just have to dig back down to the day you started and figure out why you wanted to do it in the first place and get that passion back.
1: So if you're at the beginning of your business, make sure you're writing down your why. Yeah. Those 22 reasons or whatever it is you need to do. Write down why you're doing this and keep it handy so that you refer back to it, right? And yeah. That, that's great. I love that advice. Um right now I'm I'm reading a book by T.D. Jakes called Soar. And it is a book for where he uh, encourages the entrepreneurial spirit and his analogies around the Wright brothers who failed many many times before they succeeded. Oh yeah, they
2: crashed all kinds of stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and they started in a bicycle shop. Right. Not even in a hangar at an airport. And so It's stories like this that as entrepreneurs, we need to keep fresh in our mind and we need to be there for each other, which you have beautifully helped me to do that today, um, Sandra. Um, Let's end by you telling us what you would like to see for the future, because I hear you're going to protect some boundaries because you want to have, you want to preserve the experience you're giving to people and you want to have a quality of life. But tell us what you see on the horizon for Kelly's Farm Kitchen?
2: Well, for Kelly Farm Kitchen, I think that restaurant is gonna stay just where it is and it's gonna stay just like it is hopefully forever. Um, I We have been approached by several people about purchasing the restaurant and about franchising the restaurant. Um, those are awesome ideas. And we have, of course, tossed them around. But at the end of the day, I don't want that restaurant to change at all. Um, I think if we could find, you know, in a couple of years, the perfect pair of people, the, uh, the next Ben and Sandra, to come in and and run it exactly the way it's being run today with that same family feel, then, then we would maybe entertain that thought. Um, as far as my own personal goals as a chef, um, I will one day own a very nice restaurant and I will one day get a Michelin star. I know it. I have these huge, huge goals. Not only do I want to um, reach the pinnacle of culinary experience for the client, I want to reach what I find to be my personal best. And I think every day you can learn and you can grow. And there's, there's never a time in your life where you know everything that there is to know. Um, and I, 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 just want so badly to be the very best at my craft. And I want to show other chefs in the world that normalizing vegan food can be done and it can be done in a fine dining experience. And you can be a world-class chef and use just plant-based products. Um, And I think if I can rise to the top of the culinary world and teach and show the new and younger up and coming chefs that uh, it is okay to be plant-based and still work your way to a master chef one day that, that it will be the best gift that I could give the world as a single human being. If The more people that I can influence in that world in that realm and teach them, don't cook with oil, don't cook with animal products, you know, only choose organic and, and just move up in that, in that segment. I think would be the single best thing that I could do for the world, the the largest influence that I could have. So that's my own personal goal. Um, but, you know, some say that's a pipe dream. I think it just matters how much dedication and how much drive and how bad you want it. And I want it so bad. So, Well, let me tell you, if our guests
1: could see into your eyes the way I'm looking into your eyes right now, they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you just described is going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind that you're going to reach that. You're going to be not only that, but you're mentoring others and you're, you're nurturing a movement that is changing people's health. And yeah. not only that, you make it beautiful in a warm, friendly, loving environment. So my hat is off to you. I am thrilled beyond what you can imagine that we met. And awesome. thank you so much for being spontaneous. You will see me soon in Kelly's farm kitchen. And I know I need to make an advanced reservation because I have a way of telling people about things. So I'll be great. <laughs> I'll be bringing others for sure.
2: Awesome. So well, thank, thank you, you so for much. your time. No, I love what you're doing. And it's really so cool that you are showing other people that they can be empowered themselves and that's what it's all about. We have to hold each other's hands. We have to work as a team. And if we can do that, we can accomplish so, so much together. We really just, if, if we band together and encourage each other, we're unstoppable. We absolutely You're right.
1: Are. You're yeah. right. We're better together and we can change the world together. We will. I'm glad you believe that with me, Sandra. You are a beacon of hope in my life today. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so, much. so much. All right. You have a great day.
0: You too. Hey there, 9to5 Rebel. We are so grateful you chose to make time for yourself by listening in today. Be sure to tune in next week as Jesse delivers yet another dose of hope for your entrepreneurial spirit. If the Rebel in you has been inspired today, will you please subscribe or leave us a five-star review? Help us reach other 9to5 Rebels like yourself because the world definitely needs more people doing what they love for a living. And while you're at it, go ahead and share this episode with a friend. To learn more about your Beacon of Hope podcast host, Jessie Kretzer, just visit her website at jessiekretzer.com to subscribe to her blog, or you can connect with her directly on Facebook at jessie Robison Kretzer or Instagram at Beacon of Hope underscore jk.